Well, who would ever thought that I'd be saying it again in another very short space of time? It's time again to come back to the Boring Bill podcast and hear this. That's right, you're listening to the Boring Bill podcast. My name is Boring Bill. This is the third edition of 2009 in, in as many in as many weeks. So, how's that for uh, for regularity? Regularity is always a good thing, and uh, some kind of consistency is something that is always craved. Having said that, I mean we're doing this for you know no more than 15 subscribers, and of those, we've only got probably around 10 people that are definitely subscribers and are not uh, automated uh, bots, as they're known, crawling around the internet and uh, and searching out specific things. So uh, one hopes that uh, you recognize the commitment for just a few people that find this podcast useful, um, you know, that I continue to get in front of the microphone and find a subject to talk about. Um you know, spreading the word is important with these things, so if you know of anyone that, that may find it of use, please please point it out to them. Um, I mean, I'd obviously like to have also more people who um, find this useful to justify the process of uh, of making this podcast and, um, and going from there. So, if anyone wants to give the podcast any advice on how best to uh, get some publicity for it or... Uh, you know, or, or increases usage in any way, then please do email the podcast at uh, boringbillpodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of emails to boringbillpodcast at gmail.com, um, today's podcast uh, is born from a suggestion from um, the same person that suggested that we talk about general election results um, from 2005 in the United Kingdom, um, a listener called James, who he sent his suggestions probably a very, very long time ago. It's been a long time to get around to actually producing them. So one hopes he's actually uh, still listening, although, you know, it's such a long time it's possible that he's unsubscribed or, or found an alternative. Or You know, I suspect that many of our subscribers have it sitting in their iTunes, um, but it just no, nothing ever appears in it. Maybe some have unsubscribed since the last few decided they're no longer wanted. Who knows? Um, I certainly have found that before that our subscribers actually goes down rather than up on production of every single podcast, which obviously is a bit of a disincentive to to do them. But nonetheless, we soldier on. Uh, his suggestion, he had many suggestions. In fact, I'll tell you what, before we launch into this podcast, obviously you know what the subject is going to be because it's in the title of this podcast, but um, I'll read you the entire list of things that, uh, uh, that, that he suggested. And if you want to suggest, which of these you're in agreement with, James, and, and want me to to discuss in future, then please do email and um, you know, almost have a bit of a democratic vote here. We need to get some, you know, it'd be nice to get some interactivity through the podcast and get some emailing going in between the listeners and uh, and the podcast. So I can kind of, you know, since we have a small base, we might as well be a bit more, uh, I was going to say intimate, but, you know, interactive is probably a better word. Um, so. I can, you know, do what the majority want. The, the subject list he, he, uh, he's given me in this email is uh, world religions, music genres, composting, audio, video, image compression formats. 
that seems like we don't want to do future. Uh, the differences between mineral tap and uh, spring water. Actually, that's a very interesting subject as well. Um, how to fix a, a toilet system. Uh, Victorian England, organic farming. Um, the vitamins and minerals for the human body. The British general election results, we've already covered that, but no doubt we'll do another one of that uh, after the 2010 general election. Um, how to wire a plug. Correct shaving techniques and dining etiquette. That's a very good one as well. Uh, commonly misspelled and mispronounced words. Rambling. I don't know what you're trying to say, James, by, uh, by asking me to talk about rambling. That would be uh, included in any other subject, but uh, also bird watching, book binding, which uh, hopefully we'll talk about more today, and uh, agricultural drain drainage and uh, pro processing uh, photographic film. All uh, extremely good um, subjects indeed. Um, so, uh, James, who's from uh, Cornwall, which is in the southwest of uh, southwest of um, England, which we covered uh, all of the Cornish seats in uh, the general election um, podcast that uh, that um, James suggested to, to as well. So, presumably, one of those he falls into and uh, casts his vote and, and is acutely aware of the result. But today, we're going to discuss bookbinding. Now, there's kind of a the choice here again i'll be using wikipedia to aid my my discussion on this but um uh we could either talk about the history of bookbinding which is fascinating in itself or the current commercial processes um of bookbinding um i am going to focus on the current commercial processes because i find them kind of, you know, to know how a book was bound that you pick up and read um, right now, unless you have some, you know, ancient books, um, I found probably more interesting than, than the history, but uh, that's not to say that we won't come back at a later date and do a podcast on the history of book binding, but um, in terms of model commercial book binding, I'm looking at four general categories here, and I'll go through them one by one and give a brief discussion on each of them. Um, the first one is hardcover binding. Um, you, know, you have a hardback book. Um, it'll have rigid corners and a stitch in the spine. You're looking for the top of the spine. The book can be seen uh, to consist of a number of signatures bound together. Uh, when the book is, is opened in the middle of the signature, the uh, binding threads are visible. The signatures are in modern hardcover books, or also typically a single sheet folded three times, although there are a number of other options here, depending on the book size. Um, unusually large and heavy books are sometimes bound with a wire or a cable. The covers of modern hardback books are thick cardboard um, until the mid-20th century. The mass-produced books were covered in cloth, but uh, from that period onwards, most publishers adopted a cloth that a kind of textured paper which vaguely resembles cloth, but is uh, easily differentiated on close inspection. Most cloth-bound books are now half-and-half half covers with cloth only covering the spine. In that case, the cover has a, uh, a paper overlap. Some signature-bound books that appeared in the mid-20th century appear in reprinted editions, but uh, only include together editions. It's often difficult to copy. I find a copy of such books that uh, is stitched together. They're often uh, sought for aesthetic and practical reasons. 
A variation of hardcover, which is more durable, is a calf binding, a half calf or full calf, also called full bound or simply leather bound, where the the cover is either half or fully clad in leather, usually from a, a calf, hence the name. Um, library binding refers to hardcover binding of serials or paperback books, um, intended for the readers of library use, although Many publishers have started to provide library binding editions. Many libraries elect to purchase paperbacks and have rebound them as hardcover books, resulting in longer life of the material. Um, there are a number of methods used to physically bind the hardback books. Um, the first is when the signatures of the book start off as loose pages and they're clamped together, small vertical holes are punched through the, the far left-hand edge of each um, signature. And the signatures are sewn together with lock stitches to form the text block. Overseeing is a very strong method of binding and can be done on books up to five inches thick. However, in punching holes and stitching the signatures together, the margins of oversawn books um, are reduced. Also, the pages that will not lie flat when they are opened. Um, so there are issues there. You can sew through the fold where the signatures of the book are folded and stitched through the fold. Uh, then the signatures are soon glued together to, at the spine to form a text block. So through fold books have wide margins and can be uh, com opened completely flat. However, the text block of the sewn through the, the fold book is not very secure, which uh, can cause some signatures to lose, um, become loose over time. Many varieties of sewing stitches exist from the basically so complex decorative stitches, while Western books are generally sewn together through uh, punch holes along the fold. Some Asian bindings, such as the uh, Russian stitch or the butterfly stitch of Japan, use small slits instead of uh, punched holes. A final alternative is uh, the double fan adhesive binding, which starts off with two signatures of loose pages, which are then run over a roller to essentially fan the pages to apply a thin layer of glue to each page edge. Then the two signatures are perfectly aligned to form a text block and glue the edges of the text block or attached to a single piece of cloth lining to form a spine. Double fan adhesive bound books can be opened completely flat and have a wide margin. However, certain types of paper do not hold adhesive well, with the wear and tear, the pages can come loose. Um, case binding is also a very common binding for hardcover books. Uh, the pages are arranged in signatures and sewn together. The hardcover is made of cloth, vinyl, or leather is attached. Uh, moving on from, from hardback, there's a, uh, a punch and bind. We can have a wire binding, which is also known as twin loop or double loop binding, which involves use of a C-shaped wire spine that is squeezed into a round shape using the wire closing device. Wire-bound books are made of individual sheets, each punched with a line of a round or square holes on a binding edge. This type of binding either use a uh, 3 to 1 uh, punch hole pattern with 3 holes per inch or 2 to 1 pitch hole pattern with 2 holes per inch. Uh, the one, the, the 3 to 1 hole pattern is used for smaller books that are up to uh, uh, that are up to uh, 9 feet and 6 inches in diameter, um, sorry, 9 sixteenths inches in diameter, while the 2 to 1 pattern is normally used for larger books, as the holes are slightly bigger to accommodate slightly thicker, stronger wire. Once once punched, the, uh, the back cover is then placed on the front cover to the wire binding elements, double loop wire, to be inserted.
The wire is then placed through the holes in the next step, forcing the binder, holding the book of ice pages and inserting the wire closer, which is basically a vice that crimps the wire closed to its round shape. The back page can be turned to its correct position, thus hiding the spine of the book. Um, I'm going to go into too much detail about the punch and bind method, but also in cone binding, better bind, spinal binding, and coil binding, and zip bind, and various other methods. Um, thermally activated binding is, is quite useful. The perfect binding version of this is often used. It gives a similar result to paperback books. Uh, National Geographic is perhaps best known for this type. Paperback or soft cover are also normally bound using perfect binding. It consists of various sections with a cover made from heavier paper glued together at the spine with a strong, flexible glue. The sections are rough cut in the back to make them absorb the hot glue. The other three sides are then face trimmed and uh, is what allows the magazine or paperback book to be opened. The mass market paperbacks, the pulp paperbacks are small, at 16 microns in size, are cheaply made and often fall apart after handling for many years. Trace paperbacks are more sturdily made, usually larger and more expensive. Um, there's also stitched binding, you know, uh, we can use a variety of staples or, or whatever. Um, I mean, the the uh, arena of binding of books can go into a huge amount of detail. It's it's not an amount of detail that I have the um, capacity to go into this evening. So um, I'm afraid again, I'm going to have to. Uh, leave it there and, and leave another episode that only lasts around 15 minutes um, time which is kind of the the average I think for boring bill editions um, I will make a conscious effort in future to go a bit longer than this um, then I may revisit the, the book binding um, subject again it is a fascinating subject and uh, one ought not to get too uh, into it because it may distract you from reading your book if you consider its binding method rather than its um, than its actual uh, the actual content of the book. So um, a note of caution there, certainly. Um, just before I go, uh, James from Cornwall, who sent us the list that I read at the start of uh, the start of the show. Um, he also uh, sent another list of suggestions, which was long before that. He sent that way back in 2007. Um, he does ask a question in his uh, in his earlier email about releasing the earlier episodes of, of Boring Wheel, in episodes 1 through 9, which um, currently aren't available on the feed. Um, and in case someone else is wondering that, I thought I'd address that question directly in this podcast. And, and also, curiously, if James from Cornwall is listening, please let me know if you're still listening to the podcast. It would be fascinating if you'd remain subscribed to almost two years on from initially becoming subscribed um, when very little content has been released. But uh, I, uh, you know, I would um, yeah, like to address this question of um, issues one to nine. Very unlikely. I mean, they, I do have them as files. They do exist. But they were of very, very poor quality in terms of recording. I mean, the quality currently now is still not great. I mean, we're obviously working on an extremely limited budget. And the only budget we did extend to was purchasing the microphone we have now, which, while certainly not perfect at all, is a lot better than, uh, than what we previously had. 
which was incredibly poor quality indeed. Um, I will release those episodes, let's say. We'll do, we'll do a deal here. And in fact, any of you who was subscribing when we did episodes one to nine, I'd be very interested to hear your view on this because you probably still have the, the podcast somewhere uh, on your computer, um, whether we should release them again or not. If I stop making regular new editions in 2009 and 2010, I will put the old ones up as a kind of stopgap, but there's a significant disclaimer then about their quality. Um, perhaps I'll go back and review them and then decide that um, at a later date. I mean, it is possible that I'll still release regular episodes, but I may also release the old ones. Um, I will go and review that and uh, let everyone know. But um, as for this current episode, I will leave it there. Um, just the usual uh, end of episode uh, links, etc. The email address is boringbuildpodcast at gmail.com. The website address is boringbuild.blogspot.com. And the feed address, which I'm sure you already know, is feeds.feedburner.com forward slash boringbill. Um, I hope you found that sufficiently boring. I find it fascinating, but, uh, you know, one has to play up to the title of the podcast. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, everybody, and uh, I hope you have a pleasant evening. And uh, see you soon. Don't forget to email boringbillpodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye now. <laughs>